Hello, and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. What a week of sports. It was. It finally happened. We talked about this at the end of the last podcast. Where was Julio Jones going to go? And uh, I laid out the four teams that would be, I think, the, to make the most sense for him to go. And one of the four was hit. And honestly, it was the one I was hoping he would go to. Julio Jones is now a member of the Tennessee Titans. I'm not even a Titans fan, and I'm excited. I, I am so excited to watch this offense. It is going to be ridiculous. I think, first off, A.J. Brown was one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL to begin with. The man's a stud. Uh, I watched him play last year in Indianapolis. <laughs> he, he he went off. He had like a 70-yard touchdown. He's running all over the place. He returned a kick. He, he's just electric. He's, he's very an underappreciated receiver uh, out there, and he was the number one guy for a while. I mean, obviously, Corey Davis is uh, too in a great running game, but uh, I, I, I'm a huge fan of A.J. Brown's game. He's a red zone threat. He's got speed. He can beat you in the deep ball. He can beat you in a bunch of different ways. So I really like him. Obviously, you have the great running game with Derrick Henry, best running back in the NFL, and now you add Julio Jones. With him and Brown, that is the best one-two wide receiver combo in the NFL. Not even close. Um, not even that. Julio's not even the best receiver in the NFL anymore. But like those two combined, there's not you cannot name a combo better than them. I mean, it, it's just it, you can't. Those those two are like in a class of their own. And Ryan Tannehill, interestingly enough, since he's been with the Titans, if you look at his numbers. Compared to Patrick Mahomes' numbers, and mind you, they're a run-based offense, and he doesn't have all the same Kansas City weapons and Andy Reid, he's actually been better than Patrick Mahomes statistically. Same amount of interceptions, more touchdowns. The only thing that's different is Patrick Mahomes has a couple more. He has 600 more yards. Completion percentage, Tannehill. Touchdowns, Tannehill. Uh, QBR, Tannehill. Wins, pretty close. Uh, The only thing, I mean, not that wins really matters, but like, Interceptions are tied, but Mahomes has him in the yards. That's about it. Tannehill's a very capable quarterback. When Now you give him some weapons with that running game, and oh, Lord. I heard a pretty terrible take, too, this week. That someone was like, well, we're fall falling for this again. It's just going to be like OBJ in Cleveland. No, it's not. This is not even comparable. Let me tell you why it's different than OBJ in Cleveland. Number one, when OB, Odell Beckham Jr. went to Cleveland, you were getting o, Odell Beckham was probably one of the biggest like star receivers in, in, in the league. You're getting a big personality with him. He needs the ball. He's a ball whore. So will you say? I mean, most of his receivers are. If you want to be great receivers, that's nothing against him. But you also had a young quarterback in Baker Mayfield. The Browns team that was starting for wins hadn't made the playoffs in a while. Um, you know, so you get the star receiver to go along with this young quarterback who's like eager to prove himself after you know his first couple years in the league. He's gonna force feed him the ball, even though they had Jarvis Landry and they had all those weapons. He was force feeding Odell Beckham Jr. the ball, and that's a problem. And also Odell Beckham with them, you bring in this whole media circus because you have the net incident, you have the big personality, you have the catch. He had the hair. Hell, there was rumors going around that he had a poop fetish. And people believed it. They're like, yeah, you know what? That's Odell Beckham. The man likes to get pooped on. And people thought, they, they're, was it true? No. But because it was Odell Beckham, people believed it. You have all that side show you have to deal with. Julio Jones, on the other hand, you have just as much talent as Odell, if not more. Uh, so they're basically the same tier of receiver. 
pretty quiet. You don't hear anything from him. He just catches passes. He goes about his business. Up until the phone call thing with Shannon Sharp, when's the last time you heard like a side story about Julio Jones? Just goes about his business. Doesn't work. Quiet. There's no like side distractions with Julio Jones when you bring him in. It's not coming from a major market like New York. His playoffs games, he was in the Super Bowl, made some fantastic catch down the sideline. Obviously, the Falcons blew that game, but he, he looked like a, a ballet. And the toe tap he made is incredible. He played great in the Super Bowl. Odell Beckham, his one playoff game he's been in, they had a boat trip beforehand that kind of stole all the headlines. Then he came to Green Bay, and he played like crap because he was in a boat the week before, and that took all the headlines. It's a whole distraction that entire week. They're talking about the boat trip, the boat trip, the boat trip. Bled over to the game, and they lost. You know what they blamed it on? The boat trip. Odell was a distraction. Julio was not. Not even comparable. And the same amount of talent. And also, I think with the running game that the, the Titans have, I mean... Not that the Browns, the Browns also have an excellent run game, but I, the, the two differently built teams, I think the, this Titans team is going to be potent. And I would not want to face them. I think they got all the pieces in place. You just got to get some... Now their problem is going to be, can we get a pass rush? Which I don't know how well they addressed that during this offseason. How good the defense going to be. We'll see. But offensively, that is a major upgrade. Because Tannehill can throw the ball down the field if you let him. But they just usually don't because they have Derrick Henry, so they don't need to. But if you need him to throw the ball deep, he will. He's got the pieces to do so. Major upgrade. I love that trade. I think it's a great move for the Titans. And I think it's going to work out a lot better than the Odell Beckham move. I they just, I don't understand. Like, that was a, I heard that and I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, I understand the receivers is like an icing on the cake. That's like the last thing you add. But the Titans were pretty good. Like, offensively last year, they were pretty good. They had all the makings of the championship caliber team. They can run the ball well. Tannehill's a good game manager. And he doesn't turn the ball over. And you already had a good weapon with Corey Davis. And now you upgrade to Julio Jones with eight Brown. Are you kidding me? That's gonna be oh, you can put that's gonna be a fun team. Still in the NFL world, you know, that whole Aaron Rodgers saga is going on. Uh, still didn't report to the uh, OTAs. Now the mandatory camp, so he's gonna start getting fined now. Which I, I don't know why people are surprised about this because he's dug his heels in pretty deep. It's like when you get into that fight with your parents early on. And you're both stubborn. You don't want to, like, budge off of it. And you, you say some things you shouldn't have, and you, you know you're in too deep. It's, like, too late for an apology to mend things. He's in too deep. So, he's, of course, he's not going to come back. And Aaron Rodgers is stubborn. I think the Packers are being stubborn. Like, I don't think this thing, this thing's not, it doesn't look very repairable. And I don't think the Packers are going to trade him either, but I'm interested to see who blinks first in this standoff. Uh, but my guess is, based off everything he said, Aaron Rodgers really hasn't said anything. He said his piece on Sports Center a couple weeks ago, and since then we haven't really heard from him. Nor, I, nor do I think we will. But um, I mean, I, I think you know he, he's at the, he, he's at the point now. It's he's in too deep, and he has plenty of money. I mean, it's not like you know a year off with doing some good. Now, how how good is it going to be? Like if they trade him the next year, uh, uh, after a year off of football, I don't know, but. Uh, I'm interested. That'll be interesting to see. I don't understand though these Packers fans, who you had this quarterback that's done all the. He won a Super Bowl for you guys. Won you a ton of games. And I, I don't know why they're taking the organization side here. Like, they turn on Aaron Rodgers very quickly. The majority of Packers fans are on the team side instead of Rodgers side, which I find very interesting. Usually, be pro player, especially your franchise quarterback there and like most of his teammates by all accounts are like yeah we, we support Aaron he's got to do what he's got to do 
That's what the reports are. And, I mean, have you seen the quarterback you have waiting in the wings? You got Blake Bortles and uh, Jordan Love, who Jordan Love is reported after his first day uh, working with the number one receivers. He looked terrible. They were doing a count. He completed less than 50% of his passes. They had a two-minute drill. He failed in that. He's not a good quarterback. <laughs> like, Jordan Love, it's not that. They, like, they would move off of Rodgers. I think if they thought they had a replacement for him lined up, like, which is what they thought they did when they drafted Jordan Love. But they're watching him play, and they're realizing, like, yeah, uh, this, this isn't good. This guy is not ready to be under center in an NFL game. This could be a problem. So, it's a Bears sense. I am licking my chop. I mean, the Bears just signed uh, Justin Fields today officially. So now we're, we're, now we're in business, man. We're, we're, this is, all of a sudden, things are looking up. The Lions are in rebuilding mode. Packers are in shambles. The, the Vikings I'm a little worried about, but I don't think they didn't have to address that shoddy defense. They got Patrick Peterson. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. You got an old cornerback. Congratulations. I really don't think they did all that much to address the defense. So that division is up to the taking. That's going to be that's gonna be a hot mess. It might be one of the worst divisions in football, to be completely honest with you. But uh, it's going to be fun. I am looking forward to it. It'll be, that'll be interesting. Um, it stinks, though. The Bears have such a brutal schedule. I mean, otherwise, I'd be a lot more excited than I am about it. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I heard another interesting theory from Peter King. And Peter King's a smart football guy. I love reading his stuff. The Monday morning quarterback and all, all that. Um, he, he thinks that the Packers might just come to like an under-the-table agreement with Rodgers. Like, listen, you play this season, we'll agree to trade you next year. I don't think that would happen, though, because I feel like you lose all your leverage. If you know that he's going to be traded, like if I, if, if other teams know, like, hey, he's going to be traded after this year, you're losing a lot of your your uh, negotiating power there because they're no like, well, yeah, he's going to leave after this year. So uh, I don't think they do that. And I, like I said, I don't think Rodgers. I think it's too far, too far gone. Would an apology replace it at this point? I probably not. I don't know because I think Aaron Rodgers. And I don't even think it's the fact that they drafted a. a a quarterback I think it's just he felt that he deserved to be like told beforehand or they talked to him which the Bears did for Andy Dalton who they didn't owe Andy Dalton anything but they gave him an explanation they told him beforehand like listen we're, there's a quarterback available that we like we're probably going to take and he understood it's part of the business I think if they talked to sat down to Rodgers talked to a man to man that we'd be avoiding a lot of these problems from what I can stand so I'm on you know I'm on Aaron Rodgers side here I agree I agree that's not how you do business, especially someone that's been in your company that long. Like, how would you feel if that's how your employer treated you? All these years, they, they, you know, you put in your blood, sweat, and tears. You're one of the, you were the best employee at this company for years and years and years. You've helped them to get the success. You're one of the major reasons why. And then they blindsign you with the replacement. Like, that's not, you know, they should at least tell you so you can get stuff. I don't know. Team Rogers for that. NBA playoffs, full swing. Here. The Clippers are a weird team, man. I cannot figure this team out. I thought they were dead in the water. They came back from the dead, beat the Mavericks, then they lose again at home. The road team won the first six games of that series, and then uh, Clippers finally broke it in the uh, Game 7. They're a weird team, and I think they, they kind of reflect Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi's their leader. He's kind of strange. They're kind of strange. Paul George is kind of becoming a problem, though. I saw a prompt. I'm at the gym the other day. You know. Working on, you know, working on my curls. Trying to get yoked. It's not working if you've seen me recently. It's, it's not good. But anyway, you know, we were putting an effort at the gym. <laughs> and we see, I see a thing on the TV. It was sort of like ESPN. So they have the ESPN playing. 
there's no sound ever to it. So it's like basically useless. You're watching these talking heads, but you don't know what the hell they're saying. It's pretty, I don't know why they bother putting it on. But, you know, it's on. You're looking up there. And, like, one of the headlines they had underneath was, uh, is Paul George still a superstar? Is like a superstar. I don't even know if he's like a star. He's, he's been reduced to a, like a, a role player at this point. And that was the easiest question. I was like, superstar. I mean, think of it. Like, is, is Paul George the type of player anyway? For me, a superstar is you are the best player on your team. You can elevate your team to win games. You can take him on a run in the playoff. Donovan Mitchell, did you watch him against that game one against the Clippers? Superstar. That's what a superstar is. Paul George isn't even the best player on his team. Well, you could argue that the way they're playing right now, he's probably like the third best player on that team. Like the way he's playing. You go to Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook, who's Mr. Triple-Double, MVP award winner. They can't get out of the first round. And that was a good team. You had the center with Steven Adams. You had a nice role player in Carmelo Anthony. You know, I know it's Carmelo. Everyone make fun of him. But he's just shown that he can still play. And Westbrook. And Schroeder. With Paul George, who's supposed to be Mr. Great Two-Way Defender. Can't get out of the first round of the playoffs. Hmm. Interesting. Doesn't sound like a superstar. Last year, Pandemic P shows up. Plays terribly in the playoffs. And they blow a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets. Eh, it's not like a superstar to me. And this year, he's had another couple of terrible. He shot under 25% in game one against the... It was, it, was, it was terrible. It was terrible. He was bad. He has had 10 games in the playoffs where he has shot under 20, 25% or less in the game. Not just from three. The entire game. Layups. Mid-range. Beyond the arc. Under 25%. For a player of his caliber, that's terrible. That is terrible. That is the most in the shot clock era. Or I think it's a tie for third most. Which is bad. That's way too many games for a player of his caliber. His, it's like, I think it's time to realize that he's not the like He's not the same player he was with the Pacers anymore. It's just... It's staying, it's sad to see, but like he's just not He's not that guy that's going to elevate your team. He is probably, you know, on the championship caliber team, he's going to be your second or third best player. Probably third, honestly. Because I don't think the Clippers... You watch the Clippers, they don't look like a championship-caliber team. It's been Kawhi having to say, like, all right, now I'm going to have to put the team on my back again. And then they, they hope and pray Marquise Morris can hit a few clutch corner threes. Otherwise, it's, you know, hope and pray. Right? Uh, let's hope the good Paul George shows up and not the 25% Paul George. He's absolutely not a superstar anymore. And you watch him try to defend Luka Doncic all these. I mean... Yeah, Luca had his way with him. He's carving him up. They had to put Kawhi on him. And I mean, is he really that great of a two-way defender? Everyone's talking about how great of a defender he is. You watch him, he's like, eh, this doesn't look that great of a defender. I mean, if he's such a great defender, put him on Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell torched him last game. So, I this is the Clippers team are so frustrating. I just want them to go away. I really want the Jazz to finish him off. I, they won't. I, I mean, though the Jazz aren't going to win that series, but you know the Clippers aren't going down quietly. That's going to be Kawhi Leonard's not going to let it happen. Uh, as weird as he is, he's 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 a f- very good player. Rondo Smart. They're not going to let it happen. They're they're going down swing. They're going down swing. That's going to be another interesting series. Still got the Jazz though. Like I said in the last one, this Jazz team is fun. It's a good team. They're not the, your Jazz teams of old. This is a different Jazz team. 
This is my team. Right now, the Jazz are my, that's my finals pick. They're, they're making to the NBA Finals, and I think they're going to win the NBA Finals. Utah Jazz. Now, the, but on the opposite side of the bracket, the, what, what, the Clippers, not the Clippers, pff, the Clippers are the opposite side of the bracket, the other weird team with a lot of unlikable personalities, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the other difference is the Brooklyn Nets have three bona fide superstars, and even without James Harden, who got hurt in the one game, that team's showing, the way they dismantled the Bucks in those first two games, it, it, that team is, what's impressive about the, the Nets right now is they, they don't miss a beat offensively. The Bucks' strategy is like, hey, we're going to clog the paint. You're not getting to the paint, which works against when you're playing like against stiffs like Bam Adebayo uh, and Jimmy Butler, who couldn't seem to hit a jumper last time, and Tyler Harrow, who was too worried about his Instagram models than uh, actually you know working on the floor. But the, uh, yeah, so that'll work against Miami Heat, but now you're playing a very good three-point team who led the league in three-point efficiency. Um yeah, good luck with that. The Bucks are more, or the Nets are more than happy to chuck up threes, and they they hit 18 the first game, and then 21 the second game. I mean, this is without James Hart. So I mean, Blake Griffin has been a huge acquisition for him. I th- I've loved the way he has played. He has done his best to try and slow down Giannis on defense. I think he's doing a pretty admirable job considering the, the height disadvantage. But he's throwing down dunks. He's diving after loose balls. And hell, you leave him open. He's shown he can stroke it from beyond the arc, too. Uh, they, I love the way that uh, they've handled Steve Nash them handled him. When he came over from Detroit, they co- took him a couple games, let him get healthy, kind of get acclimated in the system. That He didn't play for a while. It took him a couple games to even play. And once they did, they started increasing his roles more and more and now he's a starter and he's playing pretty damn good basketball for this Nets team too uh that, that they're a good team man and they they the, on the opposite side they've been pretty good at defending the three mostly because Middleton can't shoot all of a sudden but uh, they'll happily trade I mean it's been tough stopping Giannis in the paint but they'll happily trade threes for twos so I think this series is going to be over very quickly uh they're underdogs in game three which is shocking to me after you just lost I think it's an overcorrection from the uh, betting market there but uh I like the Nets going to be tough now what I will say with with the Jazz though if the Jazz can get there now, obviously there's still some ways to go because we still have that Suns Nuggets series too and the Suns look very good as well that's if you have your championship bubble of championship caliber teams there's only three right now it's the Nets who are going to come out like this, this the Bucks Nets series is your de facto conference final I've watched the 76, and the Hawks are fun, and, you know, the 76 are all right, but uh, the Nets and the Nets are the best team in that conference. And if the Bucks come out of it, they'll beat them too, but the Bucks aren't, though. I think we've seen, I think they're going to give up. They look like they gave up that second half of that game too. They, 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 they look disinterested in playing. Giannis looked almost scared to go to the free throw line. He can't hit a free throw all of a sudden which is bad. And then you have the the Suns and the Jazz. And I give the Jazz a slight advantage. you got the defensive player of the year with Rudy Gobert. Who, I, Rudy Gobert is kind of the X factor because he just mucks things up. And I, you look at that game one against the Clippers. They didn't play a particularly great game. I mean, Donovan Mitchell had to score like 45 points uh, for them to be even in that. And besides, uh, I believe it was O'Neal who went one for oh, his favors. It was like one for one from the field. Everyone else on the Jazz shot under 50%. So it wasn't a particularly good shooting night for him. They're missing Mike Conley. They're still able to pull out that win. So you get that Jazz team firing on all cylinders, that's a problem. Rudy Gobert with his length, he makes it so difficult to do the running floater or whatever, getting in the paint. He, he, he's always there. 
Uh, you have your score and the, the defense they play. You got Bogdanovich who can shoot the three. Uh, Clarkson who just spark plug off the bench. It's a deep team that matches up very well. I think with the rest of the league and they can score. Uh, they can score with the best of them too. Like they can put up points. So that's why that's that's why if I had to pick between the two of them and I as well as the Suns are playing. Uh, obviously knocking off the Lakers. I, I like the I, I like this Jazz team a lot. Plus, I mean, Utah, they're, they're a home crowd advantage, man. You look at that the game one against the Clippers, electric over there. Those Mormons get loud, Jesus. Um, so yeah, there you, there you have it. It, it. It'll be interesting to see. I think the Suns are making short work in the Nuggets here too. We will have that game on Colorcast Friday night. So tune in. That'll be a must win for the Nuggets. So if you're listening to this before Friday. Maybe you make sure you tune in. Uh, Colorcast, Nuggets, uh, Suns, 9 o'clock Eastern. Chris Paul, you know, they announced the the winners for the MVP. And uh, Jokic won, which he should. He was deserving of it. I mean, that made the most sense. But it was interesting to see the top three finishers, Joel Embiid and Steph Curry, not one first-place vote for Chris Paul. I think that's a little insulting. I would have given him a first. I, I think he he could have gotten at least one first place vote, or at least finished in the top three. You see when he's doing in the playoffs, game two against the Nuggets, seventeen points, fifteen assists, or eighteen points, fifteen assists. There's a reason they nickname him the Point God. He's out there facilitating. I mean, it's a floor general right there. And this is the same Suns team that was in the bubble last year that didn't make the playoffs. He had all of a sudden Chris Paul, and now look at him. You tell me that's not the most valuable player. Did you see that Suns team with him on the floor and without him on the floor against the Lakers? The two games the Lakers won was because Chris Paul was hurt. When Chris Paul was functioning, the Lakers did not stand a chance. And you're going to tell me that man's not he's not in the top three for MVP? All right. I mean, it's kind of like, you know what this will remind me of? A little bit to a certain extent, it's like when Derrick Rose won the MVP that one year, and LeBron James is like, you know what, this should have been me, and they torched him in the playoffs. And that's what Chris Paul does; he's going to torch him in the playoffs, which he has these first two games. Drives Jokic might they just uh, Chris Paul has been dissecting on the defensive end. He puts him in great positions. Of the de- he he's just smart. And late in games, he can close it out. He can score when he has to. I think what Chris, what hurts Chris Paul is he just doesn't have those impressive numbers. Like he'll average around like 15 points a game or however many it is, which isn't like well those don't look like MVP caliber numbers. When you watch the games, which apparently a lot of people don't, you tell me. You watch it and you tell me who's not the most valuable player on the floor. I mean you'll see it with the one Suns game we did for Colorcast, me and my brother for the Bulls. His, his fingerprints were all over that game. I'm a huge Chris Paul fan. That that man needs to. They the fact that he didn't get any votes, or at least didn't finish. At the very least, he should have finished in the top three. I mean, come on, that's just ridiculous. It's all right. We'll see. Yeah, Jazz Suns will be. That'll be a war. I like the, DeAndre Aiden has kind of grown into a man. Like he he's playing. He is not afraid of the spotlight. He went right after Anthony Davis. In the first series, I think this series is doing a nice job as well. So him versus Gobert should be interesting. And then you got the two veteran point guards with Conley and uh, Chris Paul, and then you'll have the two scores, Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. Ooh, that'll be a fun. That'll be a fun series if that's what we get. I'm still giving the Jazz the edge, but man, that'll be a that will be a war of a series. It should be. Hopefully, we get there. 
I think we will. But uh, the Clippers is the Clippers going to be the, the deciding factor in that. I think they have a better shot of knocking off the Jazz than the Nuggets do of knocking off the Suns. But um, you, the Jazz, I believe, like I said, I believe in my heart of hearts, they're going to beat the Clippers, and I think they're going to go to the NBA Finals. Uh, so we'll see. We shall see how that goes. But uh, it's been an interesting playoffs, man. It's been interesting. I want to talk a little. I want to talk a little White Sox here, a little baseball here. Last night was unfortunate. Uh, Nick Madrigal, White Sox second baseman, went down with an injury. Um, it's another devastating blow for a team that really can't afford another injury. Uh, you already lost before the season. You lose Adam Eaton first, or Adam Angle first, who's your Gold Glove defender. Then you lose the wor- the biggest blow. You lose Eloy Jimenez in left. Right before, two days before the season's supposed to start, too. And Eloy, I think, was primed to have a breakout season this year. The hitting coach said, like, yeah, this is a guy that can hit 300. Through 60, the 60-game 60 season last year, he had 293, won a Silver Slugger Award, <laughs> launched, I think, 17 home runs. Like that. He has 30 home run power every year, probably more. The fact that he was starting to hit for average, too, in the middle of that lineup with all the help they have, that was a huge blow. Then you lose your five-tool center fielder in the, uh, a couple weeks into the season with Luis Robert. So another bat in the middle of your lineup, gone. Three of your top four outfielders, gone. Jose Abreu misses a little time. Uh, Michael Kopech, who's been electric out of the bullpen, he goes on the 10-day IL. So now they have this next man up mentality. They have guys stepping up. Billy Hamilton comes out of nowhere. He's starting to play some great baseball. He's throwing people out from center field. He's electric on the base pass. He's starting to figure out how to hit. He had two home runs in the span of two days. He doesn't hit for power. The next day he has a triple. He scores on an air. He's playing great. And then he goes down with an injury. Billy, impact, Billy Hamilton was making an impact on this team, too. The game before. Set a game last um, Friday. Tie game. Bottom of the eighth. Miguel Cabrera hits a shot in the gap, and I don't think many fielders are tracking it down. Billy Hamilton races over there with his speed, and he's saved. They'll go ahead run. Probably a game-saving catch. And then he goes down with an injury, too. This team cannot catch a break. And now, on top of that, you got Nick Madrigal that gets hurt. Now your second baseman's gone. And yet this team is somehow... Some way, over 500 and in first place. That is a testament. And I hear a lot of people saying, like, oh, the White Sox play in this crappy division. They do. Oh, your schedule's been easy. You've beaten the Orioles and the Tigers and the Twins. You've beaten up on some bad teams. Yeah, they have. But you take away three of the top four outfielders of your team for the first couple games of the season, then your starting second baseman, and then your best relief pitcher uh, outside your closer, and you tell me how good your team would be. They, they probably wouldn't be 37-24 and 24 on uh, sitting as it is on June 10th. 37-24. and 24, With all of these injuries. So I don't care how poor their schedule is. This is a good... This is Do not be fooled by the schedule. The lack of... Like, this is a good White Sox team. <laughs> the fact they are doing what they have with so little. Like Danny Mendek and Leary Garcia are getting significant playing time on this team. Leary Garcia is a fine player, but uh, he's on a championship team. He's probably a role player. He's getting—he's played nearly every game. 
and they keep winning. So don't give me the crap. Good teams, you play the schedule you're dealt, and you win. They've taken care of business. So don't be fooled. But like this is a this is a good White Sox team. This their starting rotation, I think you could argue is probably one of the best in baseball right now. You look at it. Like when I go to buy like tickets for a game, usually I'm trying to match up who's a good pitcher I want to go see. Like you look at the, for the White Sox. There's really not a bad guy on there. It's like Lucas Giolito, all star. He's the ace of this team. Well, he'd be a great pitcher to see. Then you go down the line. The second one, Dallas Keuchel. Former Cy Young win. Another formal All-Star. Last year, he was fifth in the Cy Young voting. <laughs> I'd go see him. There's another eight. Then you go down through number three. Lance Lynn has one of the lowest ERAs in baseball right now. The man's been a stud. He was in the top ten of the Cy Young last year. It's like, whoa, shoot, there's another one. Carlos Rodon, been one of the best pitchers in baseball this year as well. The lefty strikes out a ton of people, threw a no-hitter. It's like, oh, well, that's another great pitcher you can see. And then Dylan, the worst pitcher on the team right now, probably Dylan Sees, and he's been great. Dylan Sees has been great this year. So this is a, this is a. I mean, I'm not worried about this White Sox team. The injuries are concerning, but do not be fooled by their strength of schedule. This is a good team, and I I would not want to face them in the playoffs. I'm I'm very happy with the way this team has performed despite all the injuries and adversity they have faced. The sideshows from the manager, plagued by injuries, I, you're still winning games. It's 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 pretty impressive to watch. This is a good team. Um, I'm, I'm very proud of the way they have played so far this year, too. So good for the White Sox. They have a critical stretch coming up now. They're about to finish the series against the Blue Jays. You'll probably know the score of the game. They play tonight. Uh, Roy Yu is pitching, so they have an ace on the mound for the Blue Jays. So it'll be interesting to see the White Sox can take two or three from this Blue Jays team. This Blue Jays team is a pretty sneaky squad. You're going in the MLB list of teams. They play in a tough division. They're one of their big free agent acquisitions. Springer got hurt. But that right now they probably have the best hitter in baseball in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Fantasy-wise, he's number one overall in the game. Uh, he leads the league in home runs, I believe. They got a good. They, that's, a, that's a good hitting team that they are very close to. Like, White Sox-Blue Jays could be a sneaky AL rivalry. And the Blue Jays also, you have to refactor in, they haven't really been playing in their home ballpark. They're playing in Buffalo. They don't even have a... They're playing in a AAA stadium for their home games. So that's another team that's like... I, in the next couple of years, I think I watch out for. They're, they're, I think they're a year away right now. They need to get fully healthy. But that's a... Po- like, I wouldn't want to face them. So anyway, to get back on track here, the White Sox in this critical stretch. And you'll really see what this team's made of these next couple of games. Assuming they win tonight, you take two or three from the Blue Jays. Then you have a series coming up against the uh, former AL uh, champs, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Another tough series. Then you got the Houston Astros in Houston. And then you have one series in Detroit. So three of your next four series against teams well above 500 who are the cream of the crop in the AL. So this is where you'll really see what this team's made of. But I think a lot of people were fooled by like, oh, they got swept by the Yankees. They failed their, barometer, their litmus test or whatever. Well, the next series, the Yankees went out and they got swept by Detroit. So what does that tell you? And we swept the Orioles. So I, they, they, they trended in the opposite directions. It's it one of those things is like, you know, it happens. But I actually think if you look at that series, minus the second game, they played the Yankees tough. That first game was one they probably should have won. Carlos, they wasted a great effort from Carlos Rodon. And then the third game of that series uh, went to extras. Andrew Vaughn, clutch home run. Off a roll this chat. Just couldn't pull it out. But uh, it, it's, yeah, you know, I said my piece on that. On to the north side. This team, the Cubs team, they keep winning too. We got two first place teams in Chicago. It's very exciting. Ryan Tapero was named reliever of the month for NL. 
uh, along with uh, Liam Hendricks, too. So congratulations, both of them. Chicago sweep in the relievers are locking things down over here. But uh, do the Cubs trade at the deadline or do they not? Well, I heard something interesting here earlier. They're saying even if the Cubs don't, like, they, they stay hover above 500, they might even add pieces. They might even add. Which I think is, uh, yeah, I mean, you could do that. But I was told this team was in a financial crisis. Now you're saying you're going to add pieces? I mean, all right. That doesn't make much sense to me. I think you made it clear. Which, what? By the way, during the offseason, I would not have done what they did. I think that, like, I, I think the talent is still there, where you can win a lot of games with that core. Like Javier Baez and Chris Bryant, and as you see with Chris Bryant, he's already shown. Like they're good players. Wilson Contreras is another great player. You Darvish has been was phenomenal. I mean, that that, that talent was in place there. Well, I think if you're going to add pieces, it would have been during the offseason where you'd be like, okay, this is the last, really last chance with this core. Let's go all out, and then we can work, we can scrap it down, start from scratch uh, to begin with. Because now you're in the weird situation where, like, midseason, I don't know how much you're going to be getting for a Chris Bryant knowing that he's just going to be leaving free agency anyway, but I, it's better than getting nothing for him at this point. So you're in that like weird middle ground where you don't know what this team's gonna do. They're kind of in limbo. Uh, and I said my piece last week. I think if they if you were from a strictly business standpoint, you kind of have to. I you have to start trading so you can get something for your assets. If not, because this doesn't seem like a World Series caliber team. But the fact that I heard they might be adding, that's like one of the worst. Like, that might be the worst thing you could do. That would have been that was something you should have done before the season. Or or just don't trade away, you Darvish. Or screw over John Lester like that, or get, dump off Kyle Schwarber because you you show you showed your hand in there that like yeah we're going to be cutting salary pretty soon anyway. So I don't know what this team's doing. They're in an interesting spot. That's one of the more interesting storylines to watch in Chicago for these next couple of weeks. So what the Cubs do, and I'm not a Cubs fan. I could care less about them, but I am fascinated to see like what this team wants to do uh, moving forward. It, it should be should be interesting. Well, we shall, we shall see. <laughs> I was at the gym the other day. It's laundry day. So I didn't have my proper, like, gym attire I usually wear, but I tried to go. So I'm warming up shooting some baskets. And let's just say I kind of look ridiculous. I had these, like, really short Reebok shorts on with the high Nike socks, and I forgot my basketball shoes, too. So I had these kind of, like, old man gym shoes, like the... Uh, these Adidas, like they're like running, you know, they're nothing, nothing great. But I looked basically, I looked like some guy straight out of the forties know, playing basketball. These high socks, and the short shorts, I looked ridiculous. And you can see here's some kid talking to his friends. He starts talking some trash, like over in the corner. He's like, look at this guy. Like, I think I can take him in one on one. They're like laughing. He's like, all right, watch me work this guy. And yeah, I hear him like over here, like talking to his friends. He's like, watch me work this guy. I'm like, ho, ho, ho. It's like the Michael Jordan switch flipped on. I took that personally. He comes over here. So, oh, hey, you want to play one-on-one? It's like, yeah, you're damn right I do. Me and my short shorts kicked his ass. Not even a good basketball player. I'm a horrible basketball player. Short white guys, they usually don't make good basketball players. I I, am, I, I follow that. I, I'm continuing the stereotype. I'm usually not that good. They started talking trash about me and my short shorts. And I took that personally. Worked them. Let that be a lesson, you punk-ass kids out there. You want me talking trash in front of Mitch Kaminsky, be prepared to back it up on the court. 
Mind you, I think he was like a senior in high school, so I had a couple of years on him. But that doesn't matter. You can't let him disrespect me like that. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> How do you segue from that, man? Um, mad ramblings of a lunatic here. This is the problem. This is what happens when you, you do. Marshall will be back, or and Patrick will be back. It's with the work schedules. He's not, he's uh, doing some tutoring right now, so you know it's uh, it's a one man show for the, the, these past couple weeks. But eventually, we will have him back on the podcast. Oh, the hockey! Uh, the, the the Islanders finishing off the Boston Bruins. Good for them, knocking Boston out of the playoffs. Boston sports tough week. You lost the Celtics last week. Now you lost the Bruins. Good riddance to you bunch of racist over there in boston serves them right um <laughs> but yeah the new york islanders they look pretty good i'm not you know i i've been watching the playoffs for the nhl and the, the nhl playoffs are the best playoffs by far to watch uh it's not particularly close either uh but i you know unfortunately during the regular season i didn't follow it enough where i couldn't uh I comment on it and be like knowledgeable but I, it, they've been fun tampa bay lightning advance so they're gonna be facing the islanders in the final round then we also got avalanche and the golden knights the avalanche who were considered one of the best teams in hockey i think they were mostly the favorites to win the stanley cup they're on the ropes all of a sudden the golden the, the uh golden knights which the golden knights they had a better record than the avalanche during the regular season both teams at 82 points but the avalanche won 40 14 and 2 or the the avalanche 39 13 and 4 i think with that team it is mostly the same core that was in the stanley cup a couple years ago and they've since then they've suffered a couple heartbreaking playoff losses but uh i think if i had to pick a team for my stanley cup right now i'm throwing the golden knight that's a battle-tested team that knows how to win i like mark andre Fleury in the net now he gave the he gave the Avalanche a cheapy the last game uh, the cheap goal but they ended up winning in overtime anyway. But Marcia Show Stone those guys know how to win. Playoff experience especially for hockey do not take lightly. Uh, I that's it's a real it's a real thing. So we'll see. It might go seven. The Avalanche are a fine team. This is kind of like the Bucks Nets equivalent of the NBA where I think the winner of this series is winning the Stanley Cup. But uh, should be interesting to watch. Should be interesting to watch. The uh, Canadiens, too, sweeping the Winnipeg Jets after their war against Toronto. Which, Toronto, man, is there a sadder franchise in all of sports right now than the Toronto Maple Leafs? They have lost. Every time they have an elimination game, they lose. It almost brings me back to, I think they were up three, to, a couple years ago, they were up like three to one or something, or four to one, in the, the final eight minutes, they gave up four goal, three goals, they lost in overtime to the Bruins, I think that was a like game seven too. Every time this team's in an elimination game, they lose. Now, I will cut them some slack, they did have John Tavares hurt, but uh, yeah, that's tough. Tough to be a Leafs fan. That's a shame. But the Canadians showing they're no joke. We Everyone thought, hey, you know what? It was the Leafs choking. The Canadians sweeping the Jets. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, you know what? The uh, Canadians might be legit. Those are six sweaters, too, they got. The, the ones with the C going across. Oof. Mercy. Those are great. Speaking of Jersey, check out the, you know what? We'll talk. We'll do a little plug here. Uh, have you seen the new White Sox City Connect jerseys? I think they're fire. The Cubs released theirs, too. And uh, is yeah, I'll let Yasmani Grandal as he commented on Jock Peterson's Instagram coach. What DT three team do you play for? 
<laughs> Which I think he's right. I think they look funny. Minus the hat. The Cubs hat's pretty sick. But if you're a Cubs fan, you can go to Fanatics. You can purchase that hat. You can see what we're talking about. Uh, if you use the link in our bio on Twitter, at Dispute. Click the link in our description. Uh, you should be, it'll take you to a link tree. One of those will be Fanatics. You go to Fanatics, you're going to be on the shop. You shop like normal. You buy something. They'll kick a portion of that to the network. And you'll get some sweet new gear. A White Sox City Connect gear, though, is pretty sweet. I love those those hats. They just got to say shy. A perfect hat. You can wear it as a baseball cap. But because there's no White Sox logo on it, you can wear it going out to going to the bar. It's, it's, it's classy. Multiple, multiple uses. Get some street credibility on the south side fanatics that's where you can do it and you can also watch the nhl playoffs nba playoffs you can watch some baseball too go to fubo tv 14 free uh 14 day free subscription on fubo tv you go there uh same thing you know the drill you've heard the podcast you know the spiel that's where you're supposed to go that's what you do uh yeah there you have it let's see if we missed anything else in the world of sports people oh we'll talk okay you know what this is great well this is what we will end on here Good for the United States of America. The soccer team is back. Christian Pulisic, our hero, who won the Champions League over there in uh, over there in England with uh, who was he playing for? Chelsea, Manchester, Chelsea, Chelsea City. <laughs> Should know this big soccer fan over here. <laughs> soccer pop. Marshall's rolling over. He's like, what the hell? Uh, yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. He plays for Chelsea. Christian Pulisic. The, the, the boy wonder off the bench, first American to win a Premier League championship. He comes in with the U.S. down by one to those heated rivals from Mexico. It was a game that it was a game the United States probably shouldn't have won either because Mexico went up two nothing early and the goal got called back after VIR said he was offsides or something and that really changed momentum early. But this is the United States team didn't play a great game. Went down early one nothing very early in the game. They battled back. Then they, they, they tied it late. They get the penalty kick. Christian Pulisic, ice in his veins, knocks it in. Then their goalie gets hurt. They have some guy named Horvath come in. <laughs> Mexico has a chance, and the guy chokes. It was great. They were throwing water bottles at the Mexican team as they left the field. Electric atmosphere. And the United States won uh, some tournament. Who knows? It was kind of nice to see, though. It was an exciting soccer game. And you, you, How many times do you hear, you hear an American say that? An exciting soccer game. But it's true. I'm excited for the U.S. soccer all of a sudden. This is great. Oh, we got all these old bags off. I mean, you know, back in the day were great. Tim Howard, you know. Clint Dempsey. The glory days. But uh, their time has come and gone. It's a new era of U.S. soccer. One where we're winning these uh, made-up tournaments. To beat Mexico, too, made it even better. It is a great game. Uh, if you watch that, shout out to them. That was a horrible analysis right there. I apologize. But uh, you know what? Got to give them a little... Got to give them... Got to show them a little love there for... Uh, for that um yeah softball too on espn never big never thought i'd say this the softball has been pretty entertaining oklahoma and florida state james madison i was rooting for james madison that, that was my team they're kind of the cinderella team they knocked off oklahoma once but of course the way it works it's double elimination so they had to face oklahoma again and they lost two in a row but uh, you know what are you gonna do there but uh, yeah so there's your minor sports that was my sort of my minor sports minute even though soccer is kind of a major sport but uh Something we don't usually talk about. All right, I'm going to let you go. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your week.